Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of One for One. I'm your host, Nolan Schumann, joined as always by my co-host, Miles Fuchs. Miles, we're fresh off of a good time. How you feeling today? Nolan, normally I'd have something snarky to say here, a little bit more of an intro, but there is much bigger things to talk about. Have you watched The New Love is Blind? I haven't yet. No, I, I was so ready. I'm so sorry. Oh. I, I've been so behind on. I've been so behind on like all the television. I've been even trying to watch like a bunch of horror movies for the fucking spooktacular end of October. But um, yeah, I have not watched Love Is Blind, and I'm 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 pretty bummed myself. T- oh. Tbh, I I haven't even watched the After the Altar for the second season. You're not missing a whole heck of a lot in the after the altar. It's kind of, that that I was disappointed in. So, um, season three is getting released in like periods. They do like four episodes, and they're going to do another four. Yeah. So maybe you've played into your own plan a little bit here because you'll be able to binge them. Because I know last night we were talking, and I was like, "Oh God, I could watch more." So it's. Um, yeah, I know uh, you, you may be happy with your decision. It's good. It's a good season. They did a good job casting. Do they got some? Do they got some good characters? Do they have anyone as good as Shake? <laughs> good is a term that you're using. I think very tongue in cheek. Yeah, there because this Shake podcast sucks. may get canceled because I said Shake was a good character. We were not part of the Shake Shack. We did not enjoy the Shaker. Um, I would the character. It, it, it's. It's the you get the best of season one, like in terms of wholesome and clowns, and then you get the best of season two in terms of like mentally unstable. So I think you're going to very much enjoy this season. Um, have you? So we we've gone over television. You haven't done TV. Have you done music? Have you listened to Midnight's? So I've I've listened to Midnight's twice oh. now. Sorry, one second. Um, Pastor Dave, you can just fast forward at this point. <laughs> As you are. Go ahead. Um, I've listened to Midnight's twice. I have not given it a third lesson yet. The issue was is that T-Swift came out on the same day as Arctic Monkeys, as well as coming out on the same day as the latest Theory of a Dead Man single. So that's a, <laughs> Shut the fuck so up. that's a really tough release date. That Theory uh, of a Dead Man stops you from in 2022. Yeah. Sorry, stops sorry. you listening to Taylor. S- sorry, I have to listen to their lead track Dinosaur from their new album. So holy shit, because um, that's what but, they are—just a couple of dinos, eh? Yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I've listened. I've listened to it a couple times. Um, I have to give it a few more listens. I did like what I enjoy. I thought she had some really great melodies on there, some really good songwriting. Um, I think I'm getting a little tired of the um, of the Jack Antonoff production, to be completely honest. Like a lot of the sort of like fuzzy drums and like what he's doing to her voice, I'm not totally in on. Um, but You're... ultimately, though, I will say though, um, one of the highlights of my weekend was I spent it setting up my stereo in the basement. So I've got like my... I'm such a freaking geek. I have my like 5.1. I, I could have 7.1, but I'm not allowed to have 7.1. I, I'm, I've been I've been told by headquarters I'm not allowed to have 7.1. So I keep it at 5.1. And I got that all set up. And I got like the dynamic settings on my amplifier. And I was playing some of the like hi-fi master tracks off of Midnight's. And it sounds incredible. So it's like very well produced. So I will, or well, very well mastered and mixed. So I will give 
uh, Jack Antonoff and the crew that. What did you yeah, think of Midnight? You're way so you're two times through it. Yeah, I'm two times. Yeah, through it. give it a couple more times through, and and any sort of reservations you have about it are either going to be like magnified or completely gone away because the first couple of times I listened to it. Um, I didn't enjoy it very, very much. There was a few tracks that I was like, yeah, these are heat. And I listened to the shit out of them. And then I started listening to it through again. And a lot of the songs that I didn't necessarily like have definitely come around. So I'm excited for you to get a little bit deeper into the album. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of it. I like the reverb and the weird shit that he's doing that's the kind of music that i'm into right now yeah i was gonna i was gonna say that's like right up that's right up like miles alley right there it is yeah that's like that's miles's platform nine and three quarters (laughs) about to run through a fucking wall to listen to some more t-swizz i listened to shout out a friend of the show macy g we were watching football and hockey and then the album dropped and we listened to it and we were both kind of sitting there like, oh, this isn't this isn't what you want. And then she released the 3 a.m. edition with the bonus tracks and the bonus tracks brought me right back in, saved it. So some of my favorites from the album are on, on the back half, if I'm being completely honest. So, um, yeah, stoked about it. And I'm very, very excited for you to be caught up on Love is Blind because I have some thoughts and I've been getting some texts as well from from friends of ours that are looking forward to hearing uh, their second favorite segment from One for One, which is our our love is blind banter. So we're we're soon soon. We promise we'll be back with it better than ever. But Nolan, yes. speaking of better than ever, mm-hmm. good week of Oilers hockey. I mean it. Yeah, I guess technically, yeah, it was. Um, it was a little concerning for a second there. But I'm feeling pretty good, man. I'm I'm feeling really good. And man, I woke up in such a good mood this morning after last night. If anyone isn't familiar, we are recording October 28th, which is a Wednesday. Or sorry, October Tuesday. October 28th, my sorry, guy. October 25th. Oh my God, did I freaking have a short circuit in my brain? Um, beep boop beep. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a freaking beep boop beep. Anyways, October 25th, it's a Tuesday, a day after the Oilers gave a gave a nice little, nice little spanking to the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, we might as well get to the games. Miles, uh, I'm all over the place. Miles, do you want to do a rundown of what's going on today? I would love to. Okay. So we are going to be talking about the games against the Carolina Hurricanes, the game, uh, Carolina Hurricanes, St. Louis Blues, and Pittsburgh Penguins, aforementioned from the last night. We'll do a little bit of Oilers shit, uh, a little bit of NHL shit, some big news out of the NHL, including some reverse retros that dropped. So we're excited to talk about our opinions on that. Um, and then some news going on, not only in the rest of the NHL, but uh, in the junior hockey world as well. Of course, we've got my Rockstar of the Week segment, shout out Zip. But we've got a fun little bit thrown in you thrown in here for y'all that has to do with the spirit of the season, spooky season. We're going to be doing a draft for our favorite traditional Halloween chocolate bars. So we've got a really fun episode, a really exciting episode. And I think that that is a perfect segue in to what was a fun and great game, high scoring. um, That was an offensive explosion, the 6-4 win for the Oilers on Thursday, October 20th against the Carolina Hurricanes. 
a storm rolls into Edmonton as the Carolina Hurricanes come into town on their West Coast Canadian road swing. It's a battle of former Leafs goalies as Frederick Anderson and Jack B. Nimble. Jack B. Quick. Jack tends the soup and has a big stick in net. Did you like that? You thought I was going to say dick, but I didn't. Uh, you're like game. you're like Pierre Maguire. I am like, oh no! I was going for more of a gene. I wanted a little more of a gene, no. not a Dustin, creepy Pierre. Dustin Bufflin. Dustin Bufflin. <laughs> Zachary Martin Hyman, who is in fact an author of a children's novel, opens the scoring of the game at the eight twenty two mark of the first period on a power play goal. Assists going to Ryan Nugent Hopkins and the defensive liability Tyson Berry. It's one nothing Oilers. That's the way it would stay until the second period scoring frenzy started where Andrei Svechnikov um, was evening the score at the 1 minute and 38 mark of the second frame. Oilers love starting games and periods off by going uh, giving up a goal. The Oilers come back with a shorthanded goal seven minutes after that off the blade of Ryan McLeod. Assists go to Nuge and Boosh to one Oilers. Evander Kane decides that he's going to get the monkey off of his chest and scores his first of the year from a McDavid assist. And we are up three to one against a very good Hurricanes team. You're you're feeling pretty good at this point, right? As a fan, you're feeling pretty good up up against the Canes. Rock on. But Andrei Svechnikov says Dosvidanya and gets his second of the game two minutes after the Kane goal. This guy was built in a lab to tuck pucks and drink vodka. Three two Oilers going into the final frame. The Oilers start the period off by checks notes, not immediately giving up a goal as Nuge scores at the one minute and 24 second mark of the third period from a Hyman, or as I wrote, Zyman and McDavid dish. The Oilers are back to a two goal lead. The Svetch show continues to march on and he completes his hat trick on the power play two minutes later and we are back to a one goal lead. Leon Dreisaitl, ladies and gentlemen, you may remember him. He reminds everyone at home that he is, in fact, still a lethal weapon and scores a power play goal from Nuge and Connor, 5-3 Oilers. Martin Nietzsche, the free agent apple of my eye, scores on the power play and makes it a one-goal game with 12 minutes left in the period. This is a lot. This is a high-event hockey game. This is what you like to see. McDaddy puts the final nail in the seawalk barricade and ends the storm warning as he slides the puck into the empty net Assist to Leon, 6-4 the final score. The storm warning is officially over. Jackery Campbell turned away 36 of 40 shots in a very solid performance. The Canes got 40 shots on net. Oilers finished with 33. Oilers won 51% of the faceoffs, and both teams were 2 for 5 on the power play. You may be wondering, how many times did I hear Ryan Nugent Hopkins' name in that highlight package? Well, I'll tell you, because he had a massive night. Four goals. One, one, four points, one goal, three assists, and he had uh, 21 and a half minutes on ice. Good for the game's first star. Uh, Andre Hatrikov was second, and McDavid, who also gave us a very casual four-point night, was the game's third star. Nolan, what were your thoughts on the game against the Hurricanes? Big scoring game, lots of uh, offensive firepower, but how did you feel about the boys' performance there? Um, I still think that the team showed a lot of the signs that I've been worried about for the first few games, um, especially just by allowing so many high-danger chances in this game. It seemed like everything that came into the Oilers' zone was basically like a five alarm fire going on in front of their own net and luckily Jack Campbell had to make some had to make some really incredible saves. The first few goals, um especially the first Svechnikov goal was a 
tough one by Jack Campbell. Um, I want to say it was the the hat or no sorry it wasn't the hat trick goal the second goal I actually more put on the blame of Tyson Berry the Tyson Berry just gave absolutely nothing to Andre or Andre Svechnikov and he just basically sunned him more than anything so I I mean like I said I think that this team showed a lot of the same the same sort of concerns that were around them before um I th- I think that their 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 first period wasn't bad, but ultimately at the end of the day, like they a, a lot of the a lot of the like expected goals, if you will, seemed like they were on Carolina's stick more often than anything, and Carolina was just playing their their trademark heavy hockey, forcing turnovers, um, grinding them down low in the in the. Uh, uh, in the uh, defensive end, like not nothing was really going the Oilers way at points, but they just happened to be able to get on the score sheet. Now, with that being said, really great to see the big guns came out to play. Um, Leon, who we will get to a little bit later on in, uh, in the show today, uh, was offensively pretty good. Um, but I think that he still had another step he had to get to, and we'll talk about him in the next game and then the game following that because I think that there's kind of a a, a tale of two tapes right there. Um, but ultimately, it was just um, it was a good win. It was a big win. You beat a big team. You beat a really good team, and ultimately, you have to try and carry that energy onto the next game. Exactly. You made a major statement win coming back off of a couple stinky games and you beat a team that everybody's got slated in to be a a, a powerhouse out of the Eastern Conference. Naturally, you hope that that can carry into the next game, which we have titled Hungover, question mark, as it was a matinee against the St. Louis Blues on Saturday, October 22nd. Shout out to Insider Jackson, who was actually in Edmonton for these uh, last two games and got to watch the boys play a little bit of hockey at Rogers Benner and the boys come into town as one of the league's last remaining undefeated teams uh, for the a little Saturday matinee, as mentioned for the lads. So Nolan, remember last week when we were talking about our, um, our picks to be the last undefeated teams in the league. I do. I do. I do remember yes. that. Yeah. About the, the, the night after we recorded the stars, your team um, lost to the Leafs in overtime three, two. So they were eliminated. So actually, actually oh yeah you picked the blues didn't you i did pick the blues that's why i'm absolutely teeing this one up so i hate to say i told us so but fucking a told us so um yeah what a fraud this is what i wrote Mm. in the notes nolan's team nolan picked the stars last step they lost Mm. the next night to the leafs what a fraud of a team and a fraud of a pick no wonder he's mid in fantasy hockey while miles consistently stays at the top he is flipping me the middle finger. Any hoosers, this game, uh, as any we've hoosers. given any hoosers, <laughs> uh, this game was fairly low event from a scoring perspective where uh, Troy Krug got a power play goal from Tara Sank show and Sasky Shen to make it one, nothing music notes five minutes into the game. And that was about it in terms of scoring until Justin Falk got an empty net goal from Robert Thomas, not the lead singer of matchbox 20 to make it a two nothing final. Uh, shots were 23 to 22 for the Oilers. Oilers were zero for one on the power play, while St. Louis was one for one. One for one. Uh, Blues won the battle of the faceoffs and 58% to the Oilers, 42. Benner was perfect, 23 to 23. And Jack was very solid. 
He was 20 for 21 on stop shots. Bennington was first star. Jack was second star and Krug was third star. Now I know that I kind of ripped through that just because, you know, we write these highlight packs kind of off of events. And I mean, with two penalties in the whole game and two goals in the whole game, there's not a whole hell of a lot that you can uh, talk about, but there was quite a bit of hockey played in between specifically. What I wanted to talk about was Jack Campbell and how well he played and how good of a chance he gave the Oilers to win this game specifically on Two high danger scoring chances from Jordan Cairo in the first period. Cairo had a breakaway. Campbell came, or he came in on Campbell, and Campbell made a really nice glove save. And then I think it was in the second period, one of the Oilers players turned the puck over behind the net. Oh, uh, Ryan, classic, classic. Ryan O'Reilly. It was Brett Kulak. It was Kulak. Ah, yeah. the son of Edmonton. Um, made a pat. Tried to make a pass out in front of the net. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly knocked it down and fed it right across the crease to Cairo, who was like taking a beautiful one tee off the knee. And again, Campbell made a huge save. So again, not a lot of events, only 21 shots on net from the Blues. But Jack Campbell played really, really well and gave the Oilers a chance to win this game. The Blues did a very good job, in my opinion, of keeping the Oilers to the outside and limiting their opportunities to get really dangerous scoring chances. It didn't really seem like the Oilers had a whole hell of a lot of opportunities to put the puck in the net. Um, but even when they did, Bennington was up to the challenge. Nolan. Were you able to watch this game? What did you see? What did you notice? Okay, so there's there's two things. Number one, I actually believe I beat you on a technicality of Shut Dallas the Stars up. versus the St. Louis Blues. You did not um, beat me on a technicality. Because, because the Dallas Stars went 3-0, and and then their next loss was a overtime loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs. The St. Louis Blues, the St. Louis Blues also went three and zero, but then lost in regulation to the Winnipeg Jets. You're not giving me that shit. That's that is You're, a regulation no, no. shit. You no, lost. it's not. No, you it's lost. not. That's, yep, that's a, no. That yep. is not it. Yep, you lost. That's some. That is some. That is some uh, Gary Bettman reg- logic. I'll take no, it. No, that's Regina Ram sportsmanship. That's pure horseshit. <laughs> anyway. The game. What are did you, you? What did are you think? Are you the uh, Regina Thunder in this situation? <laughs> That's two different conferences. I know it is. I'm joking. No, I'm a I'm a dog till I die. Shout out to Mason and the boys in Saskatoon. Um, yeah. So this was one of the most frustrating games I've seen in a very long time. Um, so going back to Leon Drysital. We've been having a chat the last little bit about poor body language and about just looking like he's not quite trying. And up until about, what are we at, three three and three, so six games played, uh, for about five and a half games, it's looking like Leon Dreisaitl is kind of playing on playing on autoplay at this moment, um, not getting back on checks, um, not, uh, not, not generating any sort of offense. And by golly gee was the bottom six, not doing anything in this game. Um, the only ones who actually, sorry, I shouldn't say that. I should say the, the rest of the team, except for one line actually looked like they were putting something together. And that was the Fogel McLeod Pugliarvi line who, by all accounts, we're taking advantage of the uh, uh, of the bottom six of the St. Louis Blues, but but ultimately, like it was just it was such an aggravating game to watch. There was nothing being developed whatsoever. Um, obviously, this is one of the few games where both McDavid and Drysaddle were held off the score sheet. I thought Jack Campbell played a tremendous game. You brought up a couple of the really good saves, like you mentioned before. 
So that's been really good to see. He actually looked like a a number one goaltender uh, in this game. But yeah, it just, unfortunately, there's just going to be games like this in your season and you might as well get one out of the way right away. I thought St. Louis showed a lot of structure. I thought Colton Pareko had a tremendous game. I thought he was really, really, really good. Um, And I thought, I thought Evan Bouchard was not particularly good. Uh, we'll we'll get to him in 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 the next one, but but I um yeah just just a frustrating game to watch. Yeah, poor Jackson paid money to go watch that game, which is too bad. But big honestly, stinky. big stinky. But hey, um, what's the what's the country song? A, a a bad day of fishing beats a good day of anything else. A bad day of going to watch hockey with your old man beats a good day of doing pretty much anything else. So grateful for what what we got, and glad that he got to watch a game. And, uh, and get to actually see the boys. But with that out of the way, the Oilers finally wrap up their six-game homestand to start the season. They have the red-hot regulation Pittsburgh Penguins coming into town in a game that I have titled, The Boys Are So Back, 6-3 win, Monday, October 24th. It is McDavid versus Crosby, Crosby versus McDavid, always a show. The Oilers are looking to start the year and the homestand 3-3, and which is something I think that we can live with. It's not ideal, but a 3-3 split to start the year is, is more than okay. Eh, more than okay is is roses. It's fine. It's livable. Yeah. I said make that already. The, make I'll the best out of a it. bad situation. Exactly. Uh, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade and then add vodka. Uh, CC was praising the likeness of both stars before this game, having played with both. Woodcroft decided that he was going to go with the 11-7 and seven split this game, his favorite thing to do. Crosby is 4-0-1 versus the Oilers. No, that's not right. I don't know where I got these numbers because last year, even then, I think the Oilers were better than that. Forget that. Soups and net. Let's get crazy. The Oilers finally score the game's first goal. And who else but King Zachary Martin Hyman from the Dentine Daddy uh, scores on a very efficient breakaway move to put the Oilers up 1-0. Nurse gets his twig up on Crosby, who bleeds like a little bitch, giving the birds without flight a four-minute power play. The Pens make us pay off of the stick of Ricard Raquel, who came from a team also named after a bird, but that bird could fly. Nolan, pop quiz. Who was it? The Anaheim Ducks. Quack, right. quack. And it's a tie game mid through the first period. Crosby does Crosby shit and makes it 2-1 pens. Uh, rare goal, goalie point here as Tristan Jari actually got... Gorley point. As Tristan Jari actually gets the secondary assist on that goal. So the Oilers go into the uh, second intermi- or first intermission uh, down one goal, two to one. Second period starts with Rust scoring a brutal bank in off of Campbell to make it 3-1 Penguins. And at this point, it looks like the Oilers are lifeless. No legs, no ambition. And by all accounts, you think that this one is going to be a tough rest of the game. Tough rest of the game, Nolan. Try tough rest of the season. Because Connor McDavid comes in on a two-on-one where Jeff Petrie ties him up. He loses his footing, and he goes hard into the post. He's slow to get up and immediately goes into the tunnel for further evaluation. The entire fan base holds its collective breath as the Oilers go on a power play. Tyson Berry scores a power play goal from Nugent Dry to avenge the captain's injury and gets the Oilers within a goal. This is good stuff. We have a little bit of a Twitter joke every time that Evander Kane scores where Nolan goes through the stages of grieving and uh, congratulates him. So uh, a shout out to the Twitter presence, but attaboy Kaner after a buzzing middle period by the Oilers. They finally get one past Jari and we're even at threes assists on that goal. 
assist on that goal goes to Leon. Welcome back, Leon. Thank you for doing German things when we need you the most. Nuge gets another point, continuing his red hot streak with two minutes left in the third period. This was assisted from Kulak and Hyman. It is 4-3 Oilers. Sensing blood in the water, the great white shark attacks. Leon Dreisaitl scores with less than 30 seconds left in the Sickle. frame. Sick goal. Sick goal. Assisted. Just, that was sorry i'm i don't mean to cut you off i know that we're oh. going to probably talk about like effort and all that stuff after but like that is the leon dry settle that we need exactly need is emphasized here especially with mcdavid out uh you need your best players to step up and the you know the best guy on the ice there had to be the best guy and it certainly was a textbook or kodak dry settle moment assist go to kane and nurse the big guns as we've mentioned showing up to play and it's a 5-3 game Oilers finished that second period against the Penguins with a franchise record 26 shots on goal. Ooh, that is good stuff. The third period was a great 20 minutes of hockey from the Oilers, who did not allow Pittsburgh back into the game at any point. McLeod gets the insurance goal from the Carhartt King himself, Derek Ryan, whose truck was idling. Un- unreal pass. That Unreal was, pass. I'd, I'm going to get it. I, I can't wait to discuss that. I Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah go on. It's fine. Derek yeah. Ryan, big fan of him. A guy who works on the rigs and still plays professional hockey is just <laughs> tough to come by. But he gets the assist on the on the Clowder goal, makes it a 6-3 Oilers final. 47 shots to, um, to the Pens, 35. So the Oilers, 47. Pens, 35. Oilers won 54% of the faceoffs. Went one for three on the power play. And aside from that first period blip, we're able to finish the game uh, four for five on the PK. So stinky special teams to start, but they got it figured out as the game went on. Leon's three-point night got him first star. Nuge's big two-point night gave him second star. And the teammate of the year and all-around good guy, Evander Kane, gets third star after a two-point night with 21 minutes on the ice. Soup was piping hot. And he closed the door on 32 attempts. He's 3-2 and two on the season. His numbers still don't look particularly great, mostly from that Calgary game. But he's playing well enough to help the Oilers have a chance the past few games. He's also a very nice guy, so I give him uh, a pass and more credit than maybe I should. But I'm a big soup guy. I have fully come around. Thanks again, soup for the soul, heart emoji. Nuge, I've mentioned him a lot in this pack, has seven points in his last four games. He's been playing really, really well. And for those wondering about the status of the Connor McDavid injury, per Ryan Rashog, Jay Woodcroft said that Connor is fine and he fully expects him to play tomorrow in St. Louis. Now, I know you have a lot of things to say about a lot of players. Start things off. Talk to me about uh, the the hottest guy, the Boosh, Boosh daddy, Dentine King himself. So, well, for one, I thought that this was Evan Bouchard's best game in the season so far. Um, so... Let, let's actually start from the very beginning. Let's start from the McDavid injury, okay? Because that was really the beginning of this game for the Oilers. The moment Connor McDavid went down, and there was discussions in press conference or in, in the press conferences following the game about what happened after that first intermission or what happened during that first intermission. And it seems like from what Jay Woodcroft said, from what Leon Dreisettle said, from what Evander Kane said, is that the Oilers' leadership group had a sort of player's thing during that intermission and basically said guys what the hell are this cannot be the story of our season like we have to get this together and we have to start fighting for one another like we have to start playing and McDavid goes down with his injury and 
at that point, the Oilers played like complete shit. I was thinking about it the entire time, like the entire time I was watching the game, I was like, I was going through the visions of the previous five games up to this sixth game right now is like, this team is not good. Like there is a substantial flaw with this. Evander Kane is like a shell of what he was last year. And I'm thinking like, there's already buyer's remorse. Like, is he even going to keep like, He's he's done. Like he got the bag, and and we have another Zach Cassian situation on our hands. Wow, awesome! But it was like a switch flipped, literally like a switch flipped. If you so, I was talking to uh, I was talking to FFK last night after that game was over, and I looked at the money puck uh, chart of like the expected goals. Nerd. Sorry, at five on five. Literally at the, I think it was like 15 or like the... 15 would make sense. Yeah, like the 15 mark or whatever of the second. Literally like the expected goals went like this and then they went, they shot up and it just went up the entire time. Like it was nuts at how much they actually like how much it actually worked um the 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 biggest thing i noticed about this game is the line matchups like the like the changing of the line so when mcdavid goes down with his injury leon dreisel gets elevated to that first line to play with evander kane and kyler yamamoto i've thought that this entire time that kyler yamamoto has not been taking advantage of any sort of opportunities he's been given in this top six i think that he's looked very mid for lack of a better term and i have not been impressed thus far but it was like something happened where he goes up and plays with Leon Dreisaitl, and it's almost like Leon Dreisaitl's play works more for Evander Kane and Kyler Yamamoto. So now we're back into the classic, like, oh, Connor McDavid doesn't have a proper line mate. Because then Connor McDavid comes back, and he seems fine, and he plays with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman. And that line looks completely different. Like, it looks completely different. In addition to that, for... Uh, Fogel, McLeod, and Puyi Arvi still play together. They look great. McLeod plays in between Shore and Derek Ryan, so he's double shifted to be in, in between the two of them. I mentioned the Derek Ryan play. Derek Ryan's pass, so it's a it's it's seemingly a two on one, but the two on one is more of developing into a two on two. But they still have a little bit of still have a little bit of room on the Oilers' side where Derek Ryan could either take the shot or he could try and make the pass over to Devin Shore. He can clearly see in his peripheral vision, or he's just trusting the fact that Ryan McLeod is probably there, and dishes it off behind him. And it's like, what makes Derek Ryan such a such a great player? It has nothing to do with athleticism. It has nothing to do with skill. Well, that's kind of mean, but he's got a little bit of skill. But it has nothing to do with his shot. It has everything to do with the way Derek Ryan thinks the game and how smart he is of a player. He notices Ryan McLeod on that back end play, and the moment that Ryan McLeod has the puck on his stick, he has all the space in the world to fire on net. And that is what just blew my mind. That goal was that and the Leon Dreisettle goal, where Leon actually showed like he had a pulse for once, which I'm, I don't know what the hell happened. It was, like I said, Leon Dreisettle just flipped a switch, and he was a completely different player. Again, he was the Hart Trophy candidate from before. Um, I, I know that I'm kind of rambling here. I apologize. But uh, the D-pairs. You mentioned Evan Bouchard. So Woodcroft shakes up the D-pairs. Brett Kulak and Evan Bouchard play together. This is something that should have been done from the get-go. I have thought Brett Kulak should be playing with Evan Bouchard 
by the end of last season. You combine the way that Brett Kulak covers in his own zone, how good of a skater he is, with the cerebral passing of Evan Bouchard. And Evan Bouchard doesn't have to play that sort of... He, he doesn't have to be... I shouldn't say conscience or uh, uh, conscious in, in his own zone, but he doesn't have to have that stress on him that a guy like Brett Kulak can cover. Um, just a just a quick number. Um, I know that I talk about expected goals, and you called me a nerd because of it. And I, I know that it's not the be all end all, but like Brett Kulak and Evan Bouchard in twenty one minutes playing together at five on five, seventy one point six seven expected goals. For that pairing, um, then you still had uh, Darnell Nurse and Cody Cece, who I still think have been the Oilers' most consistent pairing thus far. I think that they've both complemented each other incredibly well. The third pairing, there needs to be something done with it. I have no idea what they're going to do with Tyson Berry and whomstever is going to be in there. Um, but man, I, I absolutely loved the turnout of this game because it wasn't it wasn't getting lucky it wasn't a type of game that you would see from the Oilers last year in the in their last remnants of the Dave Tippett era when they were going on their crazy long hot streak it was there was a fundamental change once the lines were mixed up and I think if Jay Woodcroft is smart he's going to stick to these lines and he's going to continue to explore this because I like especially that McDavid with Nuge and Hyman line. I I just I absolutely loved. Yeah, you don't want to sound too much like a walking, breathing NHL twenty three player archetype kind of guy, but it seems like the way that these lines got juggled up, players that have more complementary skill sets playing together really shine. So go back to Yamo for two seconds. Um, Puliarvi is supposed to be or was supposed to be the guy that was playing up with McDavid um, and the media loves to bash him in Edmonton about how he wasn't able to produce and as you alluded to Yamamoto really wasn't doing a whole hell of a lot with McDavid either but was getting a pass for some reason so I'm I'm hard on Yamo for his lack of efficiency or ability to capitalize on playing with Connor but whatever I think he had like three shots or something in his time playing with McDavid before the juggling so um we need a little bit better from yamo but i i know that this is i know that this is very like lame of me but i i bet you any i i know that this sounds very lazy but i bet you any money if yes Yarvi's name was yesi or sorry jesse smith from spruce grove alberta it'd be a different story oh yeah he'd be they'd be licking his boots man 100 regardless um also, side note: Ever since they switched to the, back to the Royal Blues, I swear to God, Gamo looks smaller. Yeah, I I, I can see that. I don't. Know. He looked. He looked. He looked. He, I would say that he looked more like five ten when he was in like the Navy Blues, whereas in the Royal Blues, he looks. It's probably because there's less jersey space because the orange takes up his shoulder, and then there's less body. I just I feel he just looks smaller, but any yeah that would make sense just based on how colors work, right? And like your perception of whatever. I'm not a fucking artist, but anywho, <laughs> um, yeah, Yamo plays his best hockey when he's with Drysital. I think that that's something that we've learned over the past three seasons, going back to when he came up from the AHL and was playing with Nuge and Dry and had that crazy second half of the season. Love that line together; they're awesome. Pooley RV on the third feels like a little bit of a waste to me, but if 
uh, McDavid is going to produce better with Hyman and Nuge. Let it be, let it rock, let it roll. And I've actually been pretty happy with Fogel as well. So it's yeah, good to see. I it's agree. Yeah. Good to good to see him finding himself with that line. And if that third line can just be a buzzsaw, which like Ryan McLeod picked him as my Oilers breakout player. Fuck man, that looks really good and feels really Dude, good because he's having a stupid season. He he he's I I, I do not want to say this and 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 be like be like super biased or be a homer or anything but he's genuinely like a baby mcdavid at points like you see you see him enter the offensive zone and he looks like Connor mcdavid it, it's fucking nuts he has a crazy amount of offensive skill and he's so good defensively he's a really really good player and like you were saying yesterday when we were texting after the game ken holland if he doesn't throw <laughs> throw a big con not a big contract but like a long-term contract at him at the end of the season i'm gonna be livid because this guy needs to be locked up and locked down to stay with the oilers he's fucking phenomenal i'm a huge huge clouder guy so i think that that about does it for me on this game was there anything else that you had to bring up about that because I, I agree i i'm just gonna be saying the same shit that you were that was the best yeah. oilers game i've seen since the round against the flames yeah, and I think that that's that that kind of goes without being said. Like it, like I said, it just there was something so textbook about how that switch flipped and just how dominant they were that was really exciting to me. And I and I know I, I like I just I've been thinking about that game all day today, man. Like it's just it made me so happy to see. Um, but by God, does this team need to figure out something to do with Tyson Berry? that <laughs> yeah, there there's a glaring hole on defense that like, needs to be addressed if this team is going to be like, anything if, special if you could just get oh my god like honestly you know who would have been perfect if they could have made it work imagine josh manson in tyson berry spot oh my god i'm just like or or if in fact there's a like maybe even if they can't do chicken okay even if they can't do a chicken move carson susie maybe work in that role we've been beating the carson susie drum as a I, fan I, base for yeah. for fucking a year and i would just love to see it happen actually you know who would be even better or you know who would have been perfect in that role uh adam larson <laughs> we don't talk about that anymore <laughs> yeah what hurts the most by rascal flax cue it up <sighs> okay no no one yes oiler shit <laughs> I know you I know you want to talk about Oilers plus, but can I mention one thing because we've been talking about multiple games about the Oilers and there's been one little fella that we haven't talked about the whole time and that's because he's dealing with a little bit of uh, a little bit of head pain and oh, that yeah. is one Mr. Dylan Holloway after he got lit up by Labushkin in that game against the Sabres, he has been out of the lineup. Have you heard anything about his status if he's going to be coming back because as we talk about how dynamic this team is and how these lines are shaking up, I can't help but wonder what is going to happen when Holloway is back because he's damn good as well. And there's going to be a vacuum somewhere in that top nine uh, that that he's going to need to or hopefully fill into. And I just hope that it doesn't end up, you know, hurting the chemistry that's established or that it doesn't result in him going back to Bakersfield. So here is the thing. Um, I think they're going to take their time bringing him back. However... I think that he's probably destined to go back to Bakersfield. And the reason why I say this is because both Jay Woodcroft and Ken Holland have both said that they do not want to bring Dylan Holloway up to play a fourth line role. If in fact 
Warren Fogle and Ryan McLeod and Jesse Puliarvish are playing well, then I think that you should keep that line together. Do not mess with it. Leave the top six alone. Do not touch a thing with it. Um, I think that Dylan Holloway has shown flashes at times, and that's been really exciting. Oh, by the way, uh, Flames Penguins are playing right now. Shots are 20 to 2 for the uh, Flames. Very crazy. Um, Calgary needs to buy Edmonton several cases of beer because the way that the schedule has been set up this season, they've just been getting the, the tailing seconds. Exactly. Of good teams that are coming off of a back-to-back on the road from Edmonton where they're playing a very good hockey team. And then going into Calgary, tired, uh, heavy legs playing against the flames. The flames are getting handed a couple of nice ones. So a couple, couple friends of the show, FFK second shout out, whatever. And prudes, both of them are at this game watching the Sid show. So shout out to those guys. Um, but, but anyways, going back to Holloway, I, I just don't know if he's shown enough necessarily in the regular season to warrant himself a like top nine role. With that being said, with that being said, I, I've been saying this from the get-go. They need to cut back on the minutes for McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like, this, like, Connor McDavid is averaging 24 minutes a game. That can't happen. That, that cannot happen. Teams do not win the Stanley Cup with with their top stars playing over, like, 21 minutes a game. What I would suggest is bring Dylan Holloway on. Put him in a fourth-line role. But don't let that fourth-line role be seven minutes a game. You bring him on, and you crank down McDavid down to 19 minutes a game. You crank down Leon Like Leon Dreisettle did all of that last night in like 17 minutes. Like, that's nuts. Yeah, crazy what guys can do when they're rested. I, yeah. I, I do think, though, that a byproduct of the amount of minutes that he's been playing has come, or that they've been playing, has come from, like, game script where the Oilers are down and Woodcroft is just using his trump card and throwing out the blue-eyes white dragon as much as he can. But... I believe with the changes to the lines that we've talked about, if that ends up sticking, if that ends up working, you'll see that those you'll see those minutes come down a little bit as the team will be more successful, right? Yeah, I think that I I think that the 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 jumping to McDry pairing needs to needs to chill out a little bit. Like Jay Wood Jay Woodcroft is kind of showing a little bit of a a little bit of a tippet tendency, as I like to say. Like you can't jump to McDry that quick. Like it's that is a last minute you are in the third period and you're down by two goals with 10 minutes left in the game you go to that but and i don't think that they quite have like the pair like the like the line combinations figured out because i find that they end up running dry saddle mcdavid and like kane together and i do not like the look of that i think it it kind of smells bad um but anyways uh, long story short, I, I, I would like to see Dylan Holloway come back and play in this lineup, but you have to allocate minutes for him. You can't just relegate him down to a fourth line role and say, all right, kid, you're only getting six minutes a game. Cause that does absolutely nothing for his development. Yeah. You're seeing that with Shane Wright and Slavlovsky in Montreal. They're not, they're getting like, um, rights. Marco averaging. Rossi too. Yeah. They're averaging like six minutes and 10 minutes respectively, which is yeah, I don't understand what Seattle's doing with that. I don't get it. Like, why are you playing your? Why are you playing one of your top? Why are you playing a guy that is, that was the first overall pick for like two years straight? Why are you playing him six minutes a game? You are not even getting an idea of whether or not he's good or not. And like, you are a rebuilding, a, a 
no offense, Seattle, but like trash franchise right now. Like, come on, give the fans a little excitement. Exactly. Let, let them see a kid rip around and shoot some pucks. Uh, speaking of ripping around and shooting pucks, have you had anything to do with Oilers Plus? Okay, so I want to talk about this. <laughs> so, Miles, for, the, for those who don't know, Oilers I will, Plus. Is, I was I was okay. gonna I was gonna mention this. Okay, so I wanted to talk about this because I believe it dropped after we did our second episode. Um, so it was like revealed just before the season started. So whoever isn't familiar, and this is also off of the backs of the, somebody took a picture at the Oilers concession stands and saw how expensive <laughs> the Oilers concessions were Oof. like outrageous. I think it was like, uh, I think it was like uh, two popcorns and a pop each. We don't say soda here. We say pop, right? This is, Miles? A, pop, this is a pop show. Absolutely. Um, and I think it was like two popcorns and two pops came to like $38 or something. It was something Rid- outrageous. Burgers and beers were $56. <laughs> oh, and, oh, and it came with a bag of chips at each one. Yeah, like no fucking thanks. Miles, do you think that those chips get sad? <laughs> no, those chips are happy because they're going to a customer. Because <laughs> they're going the to chips- a very rich customer. <laughs> <laughs> the chips that don't get picked that sit on the shelf those chips get sad um so anyways so in addition to charging their fans an arm and a leg at concessions and also charging this is a little also a little story uh they also up the prices of their jerseys in the ice district store to 320 dollars for an authentic jersey completely ridiculous just patting daryl cates's wallet while we're talking about inflation the oilers are also the fourth highest average ticket price in the nhl so to go to a hockey game in edmonton is like a status symbol at this point shout out jackson got to go to two probably had a berg probably had a berg that's like a so a few few pops for him too yeah what's like a what's like an old royalty thing like like an old event that royalty would go to because they were the only ones that could uh that could afford it like above the peasants um something something like yeah there you go yeah oh the over over just describing healthcare in the united states that's like getting anesthesia as a and 1920 yeah yeah exactly i got your i got the price to, <laughs> to reset your arm with or without a pain painkillers you get Dude, that's pay. that's that's literally modern day america you're describing my Fuck. friend god this is a this is a show of political commentary now <laughs> um, anyways so we're talking about how outrageous the prices are then so the Oilers put out this tweet and they basically said, who is interested in a show like Oil Change? And everyone gets all excited. If you're not familiar with what if with what Oil Change is, uh, you're not a real Oilers fan. But anyways, I'll give you a quick rundown. Basically, it was like a behind the scenes sort of thing. Um, the Oilers in their first rebuild, which was the 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 Hope era, the Hall Omar. Uh, Payarvi and Everly, uh, yikes, <laughs> era. And there's some really funny gems on there. There's like um, the scouts' obsession with Eric and Branson and Dylan McElrath. Like, dude, and and Nuge gets a puppy. Yeah, Nuge gets a puppy. Um, there's also the uh, Hall and Everly living together was a, was a big storyline. <laughs> Can you imagine the shit that if those walls could talk? Dude, that'd be so much fun to hang out in that apartment with those two. Um, and and so anyways, so the Oilers Twitter account puts out this like, do you want to see an oil change? Obviously, everyone gets excited. And then they put out Oilers Plus. They they just do like a little logo and people are like, plus, are, 
you're kidding. You're you're joking, right? Like th- there's no fucking way. So they release Oilers Plus, and it turns out to be a subscription based service that allows you. So this includes a oil change like series. I put that in quotations. We'll get to that. Um, you also get something along the lines of like learn how to eat like the Oilers and it's like you it's like a chef that goes over what he makes for the meals for the team uh train like the Oilers and it's like some shitty exercises and the best part is is that this isn't with players it's all with Tony Brar like their Oilers TV host <laughs> so it's like oh cool I get to learn stuff from Tony Brar awesome I get to see Tony curl tens yeah yeah so so there's that uh and then in addition to this, quite possibly the most damning of this, their pre- and post-game shows, including the live press conferences, are exclusively on Oilers Plus. So if you are planning to listen or watch the press conference after the game is over, you cannot do so live. You have to wait until it hits YouTube like six or seven hours later. So if you are a reporter or a media member, you have to subscribe to Oilers Plus. Um, This is actually documented by a friend of the show, Zach Lang. Uh, He said that he needed to pay for an Oilers Plus subscription because he transcribes all, all of the... Um, all the press conferences. So that's really great to see that the Oilers are not only screwing over uh, screwing over the people that want to support the team, but also the people that write about the team in the process. Anyways, I wanted to quickly mention the last thing. So I mentioned this oil change like series called it's called the drop. So Miles, um, about a week and a half ago, uh, I decided that I was going to sign up for a trial a three-day trial of Oilers Plus to see how it was. Well, put it all my information. Joke's on me. I accidentally signed up for a month. Whoopsie-daisy. I bought a month of Oilers Plus. So I figured I'm going to take a look around and see how Oilers Plus was. I watched, up to that point, all five episodes of The Drop. I cannot describe how much of a waste of money that was like can't even put into words it is tantamount to um watching a highlight pack with press conference audio in the background oh my god the only interesting thing it showed was like uh there was like the rookie camp stuff like like for this upcoming rookie camp it was like and it was all just like it was all just hand jobs to the Oilers, uh, to like Oilers alumni. Like, oh, Craig McTavish is here. I was the last guy to play with a helmet. Congratulations, Craig. Move on. Uh, it was like Duncan Keith when he retired. Oh, I remember being here when I was younger. Cool. That's that's amazing. Um, and then it was like I remember there there was like a trade deadline episode, and it was just it was just Ken Holland going. Oh uh, yeah, I gotta see how much money I have. I, I I gotta see if I can even afford that. Um, but ultimately, there was like no behind the scenes locker room stuff. There was absolutely nothing. It was just, it was the most basic of the basic bullshit you can get, and all it was was just propaganda by this team. <laughs> so, propaganda sounds like a good way to put it because if they're not showing like the authentic behind the scenes shit where you if get you to... th- if you think you're getting all or nothing or 24 7 you are sorely mistaken yeah and that's that's about the only way that i would ever pay for that so i'm glad to know that oilers plus is not a subscription service that i should be getting 
Yeah, no, it's I I cannot uh I cannot unrecommend it enough. So I will be canceling my subscription the moment I get the chance to. Um, yeah, save save your money for OnlyFans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> get the, get that real premium content. <laughs> shout out. Yeah, shout out all our famous shout out all our famous models. You guys are all queens. Um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, kings too. Kings too. Kings too. Um, kings and queens. Shouts out. Okay, so uh, Miles, we're gonna get into a palate cleanser, hey? We are, and I think we need to get the energy up for this bit because okay. this is gonna be a lot of fun. So, spooky season is upon us. Trick or treaters are gonna be coming to your door in the next few days, and it has sparked a bit of a debate in the online community of what the superior chocolate bars are, Nolan. And I have decided or thought that we should do our own little draft of Halloween chocolates to see what uh what we're feeling what the flavor flavor of the month is so essentially the way this is going to work is we each get four picks just like a just like an nhl draft of what the best chocolate bars are the parameters that i'm setting because i don't want to hear any ontario bullshit where you're like "Mm, give me give me a damn damn and i'm like what's a damn damn you've never had a damn damn oh i forgot that they don't have those in saskatchewan so the the parameter is it has to be is a damn damn i don't know i thought that you'd have some weird chocolate in ontario that comes in a bag instead of a box you know you know what i'm saying okay (laughs) <laughs> okay, so the parameter is it has to be a, a regular chocolate bar that you can get from like a superstore in the box. Of, no free ads in the boxes of like four assorted chocolate bars to hand out to trick or treaters. Fair enough. Okay, so okay, okay, okay. I, okay that that's fine. Um, so okay, I I'm, was, go I was going to determine the draft order based on who uh, who's pick for the last undefeated team was but in a show of good sportsmanship i will allow you to go first overall for the chocolate bar pick okay um so for one uh just want to set a parameter here so it's specifically chocolate correct yeah no no like gummy candies okay uh secondly uh do you count like smarties and m&ms i would yeah because you can get those in the boxes okay um and like like hershey's hershey's is in hershey's oh. is in play and it, it it can be like any of like the big flavors of hershey's yeah like okay okay perfect like okay. what a- anything that a reasonable person would hand out to uh to a trick-or-treater okay so if you throw some weird damn damn shit out i am calling you out and i'm gonna make you repick so you're saying that so you're saying that so you're saying that charleston chew is off the board absolutely <laughs> okay um and does it specifically have to be halloween chocolate has to be a halloween chocolate fuck but you can still get it during halloween but it has to be in one of those boxes you hand out to trick-or-treaters you have to be able to buy it in a bulk pack a bulk assorted pack okay so okay listen i've i've been consulting with my war room um we could obviously go by the consensus, but like Steve Eiserman and the Detroit Red Wings, I prefer to choose by or to choose based off of my criteria. I don't go by the consensus big board. I go based off of what is best for my locker room. And my locker room determines that with the first overall pick, the Nolan Schumann candy addicts. We'll select the Hershey's Cookies and Cream chocolate bar. 
that's a really solid pick. That's a really solid pick. I had him high on my list as well. I gotta gotta give you credit for that one. Um, wow, we're off to a bang and start. First, uh, first pick from my side. I gotta keep it classic. I gotta go with with one that's consistent, one that people are always gonna know what they're getting. I'm taking Kit Kat. Okay. Okay. Problem. Um, with the second overall selection of the Nolan Schumann Candy Addicts draft, we are very proud to select and are running up to the stage to select Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. That's a good one. I thought, man, I'm a big peanut butter guy, and I thought about putting Reese's number one for me. Um, to be honest, you stole my you stole my pick, but I'm going to come back hard. I'm going to come back with one that I am a very big fan of. Give me Mars. Good pick, good pick. I had it on my big board. Okay. Uh, with the third overall pick of the Nolan Shooting Candy Addicts draft, or sorry, with the third overall pick, the Nolan Shooting Candy Addicts are proud to select from the, I believe, Nestle region, Caramilk. That's another damn good pick. You've snaked me on two. So I got to come back with my peanut butter boy, and I'm taking the Wonder Bar. And with the fourth and final overall selection in the Nolan Schumann Candy Addicts draft, I will be elated to select the O'Henry. Fair pick. They were on my list as well. And I'm glad that you left them for me because I am taking the light snack, the coffee crisp, to round out mine. Okay. So I want to hear some that you had that I only have three left that didn't get picked. I had the crunchy and, or I guess you said O'Henry and Oro, Oreo, sorry, or Arrow, the one where the bubbles melt. Yeah. Um, So uh, I had, I had bullshit Mars bar, otherwise known as the Snickers. That was on the, that was on the board. Um, I also had the baby Ruth. I do like a good baby Ruth. Um, the one I was asking you about on technicality ver- uh, about the, like, does it have to be a Halloween candy were mini eggs? I love mini eggs. So yeah. Much. Mini eggs would, mini eggs are terrific, but that would not, that would yeah. not fly. That, that would have been protested, um, but, but to that's me, like the, it, that's like the Panthers trying to take Ovechkin the year before his draft because, <laughs> because of uh, leap years. Uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's so good. Um, um, okay. Uh, I, I will, you'd actually be surprised to know my top four on my big board are my top four selections. Yeah. So this is, this is just a a difference of opinion. I think these are just two guys at like two different chocolates, but here's my, here's my weird, very, I'm very happy with my, my, here's, here's my weird thing though. I'm not a big like wafer guy. Oh, that is chocolate bars. Like, so that's how I, I was able to get Kit Kat and Coffee Crisp. Yeah, like my my big thing is I do like um, I, so it kind of goes against my my opinions on wafer, but like I'm very big on um, especially with the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup and the O Henry is like that sweet and salty action. Mm-hmm. Um, a a actually my one like a literally top two favorite chocolate bar is the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup O Henry. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Outrageously good. 
I nearly nearly picked the uh, like you know when you can get the like the little bags of the Reese's pieces and they're like a Skittle kind of yep. they're like an M M&M. and M. They're yeah, called Reese's pieces. Yes, I was thinking about the Reese's pieces as well. But again, I can sleep at night with my picks. I'm feeling good about them, and I am excited to get some discount Halloween candy the day after. Or oh, yeah. you know, if things go the way that they did last year, just have my stash untouched because I got like ten trick or treaters. Yeah, I don't think we're handing out candy anymore this year because we're going to be taking out uh, we're going to be taking out Taylor's nephew. Ooh, that's pretty yeah. fun. That'll be a good time. Um, my dad just sent me a haha hilarious meme, uh, that says ring since 1967, Jennifer Lopez six the Maple Leafs zero. <laughs> just as an FYI, in case anyone wanted to know. Um, okay. So what are, I guess we're going to move to, uh, our NHL shit now, Miles? I think so. Okay. So you're getting you're getting a big dose of opinion from the boys here because uh, <laughs> under the first thing under NHL shit, the reverse retro jerseys came out last week, and I have asked you for your top ten. Every team got one. Um, Vegas like to make fun of the Kraken because the Kraken were like, "Hey, look at our." Uh, oh my god, I thought I just deleted my list. The Kraken were like, "Hey, look at our reverse retro," and the. Uh, golden knights who love to be a snarky twitter bitch were like <laughs> reverse retro for a team that's one year old that's rich and the top comment was like who's gonna tell them <laughs> who's gonna tell the the knights that they're not the the beacon of moral compass that they think they are but whatever i hate, I hate the vegas t- i hate the vegas and fucking seattle twitter accounts so much they're so yeah, annoying they're trying really really hard and it's yeah. not coming across the way that they want it to but Speaking of cu- trying really, really hard and not coming across the way they wanted to, some of these jerseys are really, really good, and some There's of these some jerseys, sick. some yeah. of these jerseys are fantastic, and some of these jerseys are really, really bad. Uh, before we get into our top tens, do you want to do honorable mentions for the worst ones? For the worst ones. Okay, so I I think it goes without being said, Detroit and Chicago are terrible. Oh, they're so bad. <laughs> Corporate wants you to find the difference between these two pictures. They're the same picture. They're basically the same jersey, and they're both dog shit. Uh, what do you what do you, what do you have? Those two, okay. for sure. Uh, I'm trying to think of another one that I don't like. I don't like Minnesota's because I think that they went basically the same as they did last year, and I find that a little bit lazy. I have an opinion on that is with Minnesota, they're fucking bland as shit, so if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It'd be a different story if they had like a cooler sort of like logo and vibe to them, but uh, and I guess, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, I can kind of see where you're coming from, because I guess I've seen Florida, this one already. I, guess, I guess Florida changed it up and that's cool. Okay. Anyways, uh, do you have it? Do you have another one that that you weren't a big fan of? I need to look at the list. So why don't you you go? Because those were the three that I had picked. Uh, so do you want me to like list like my my favorites now, or do you want me to list like another one that I didn't really like? Another one that you didn't like. Let's make it. Let's make it nasty. Um, I think that the Canes one stinks. The Canes one? Yeah. The, oh, the- I know another one that I don't like. Yeah, the Hurricanes one sucks. Um, I really didn't like the Sharks Golden Seals one. It's just it's the Golden Seals yeah. jersey, but instead it says Sharks. That's just yeah. fucking lazy work from yeah. San Jose. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I'm. I'm fine with it. Can I mention one thing? Okay, so I I feel like you might have these guys in your top five, and it it or sorry for your in your top ten, 
and it's probably because of their uniform choice with it. Am I correct in saying that? Um, I don't know who you're going with, but go keep going. So do you have the Flyers on your list? I do have the Flyers on my list. And is it for the reason that I think you have the Flyers on your list? I probably. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Because that's that's my hot. That's a my my hottest take of them. Oh, another really bad one is the Blues. The Blues have a really shitty one. Yeah, I'm also. I understand that it was a design in the mid '90s with the like pedestal thing, but I'm not a big fan of the Flames one. I think that the pedestal thing looks fucking stupid. Yeah, that doesn't look very good in my opinion either. Yeah, it looks like you're tucking in a towel. <laughs> yeah, but again, it is just a, a nod to that '90s look. So, have we talked enough shit? Do you want to talk about the beauties? Sure, let's do it. So, I didn't rank them. Neither just did I. Yeah, this is just my my go here. The Capitals reverse retro Hell is yeah. a, is a thing of beauty. Absolutely, yep. That's super nostalgic for me, just yep. because uh, growing up in in Odessa and Vibank, uh, the 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 minor hockey team in Odessa is the Eagles. And that's the jerseys that we would wear growing up were the were the old caps with the screaming eagle in the white and then in the black on the road. So to see them go with the black screaming eagle, I feel like I'm playing peewee hockey, ripping down the wing, and I think I'm Alexander Ovechkin. Like that is a, a beautiful, beautiful jersey to me. I'm very happy with how they did that. Yeah. Um one I love I mean, I think that almost nearly everybody loves it. The Kings. Yeah, it's I gorgeous. Love, I love it's the Kings. It's so nice. One. It's it's I think, man. They need a rebrand so badly. They have to go back to purple and gold. Like that is, dude. Could you imagine? Could you imagine how good Kevin Fiala and Quentin Byfield would look <laughs> in the purple and gold? It, oh they're, my god, they're so nice. And if they could inc- like that '90s King lo- Kings logo, like when Gretzky was on the Kings, mm-hmm. I really like that logo as well. So they have a lot of options in LA to make up wicked jersey but instead they go with a stupid like silver and black stupid crest but i i I digress so is the king's one in your top 10 absolutely was okay um next one i'm a big fan of the fisherman the islanders fisherman logo nice to see it coming back and it looks steezy in the dark jersey yeah uh yes yeah i yeah i'm i'm in i'm in on it yeah Owed to the uh, to the back to back cups of the '90s, the Pittsburgh Penguins jersey looks yeah. really really clean Fuck as well. Yeah. Fuck Big yeah. fan of what they did there. Uh, keeping that going, the Sens. I really like what they did at that jersey. I think it looks really nice. Um, I do not have the Sens. Believe it or not, this is our first like semi disagreement. Fair um, enough. I you know what. I love how stupid the Tampa Bay Lightning jersey is. So here's the thing about the Tampa Bay Lightning jerseys. The Hot Wheel jersey with the flame on the arm. Yeah. I love it. Excellent. I love give it. Me, give me all of that. Is Those that, are is, is that, so is that, sweet. Is that in your 10? Absolutely. And if it's yeah. not, get your eyes checked. Those are beautiful. Okay, sick. It's actually number 32 ranked by ESPN. ESPN doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. Those yeah. are like th- that's prime expansion era Tampa Bay Lightning, and those jerseys are unbelievable. I yeah. love them. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Um. I. 
I I'll be honest. I know they've just gone back to this like a bunch of times, but I I there's something about that classic Ducks logo that just works for me every time. I I'm I'm really happy too that they have those like classic numbers on it as well. So I'm really big on the Ducks jersey. Yeah, they weren't they weren't on my list. I think that that like as sweet as that logo is, I think it's a little bit played out. And if they are gonna do it, I like to see it like with the purple and the and like mm. the teal. I think that that's when it looks its best myself. So I don't have that one on my list, but I can I can give you a pass on it for sure. Uh, one that isn't like I'm a I I like the Yotes mm-hmm. with the cacti along the base of the jersey. I think looks really cool. So I had the Yotes on mine. Um, dude. Lady Liberty. That was a miss for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Again, it, it, they basically did the exact same thing that they did last year. They just changed the striping on the arms. Yeah, that's that. That's fair. Um, how do you feel about the uh, the uh, Canucks one? The Canucks one. Okay, so this was one that we were talking about um, with Floor Pie Alex because he's a big Canucks guy. Mm-hmm. Um, not a huge fan of Johnny Canuck as a logo neither am i (laughs) yeah i don't love that especially with the number like above the on the boob Mm -hmm. not huge on that i think that if you're gonna make that logo what it is because that's like famous from being on the 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 bridge of luongo's mask right like that's really where that logo got its prominence from if you're gonna make that what it is let it shine and don't put the numbers on top just let it look cool with the lace up top so that was a miss for me um Man, Panthers, I think that's a sick jersey. Like, I think that the colors are so sick on it. And then especially when the players were wearing it, like the photo of Aaron Ekblad in his hot boy sunglasses wearing the jersey on the boat, very sexy. Very South Beach. Didn't make my list, but I can certainly see how it would. Um, I very big on the Sabres. I thought that they did a nice yep. mix of bringing back the goat head, but keeping that like weird buffalo era like the shit buffalo you know what i mean like the arched one when they were with the yellow silver and and navy that was still like a cool color combo but they put the right crest on it so i'm excited to see that jersey on the ice and i'm just a big goat head guy in general okay we talked about the flyers already did they make your list or no no so my my hot take is i think the cooperalls is such a like I don't know. I think it's just like low hanging fruit and I think it's cheesy. I think it's so cheesy. Like I just, I, I think it's like, I think it's more of like a, I think it's kind of, um, how do I describe it? It's kind of like a, ha ha. Isn't this, isn't this, isn't this funny? Like, it's like, Ooh, we're wearing Cooperalls. We're so, we're so witty. Because the Cooperall, the Cooperalls got dragged, man. So it's, it's funny to see. Yeah, for good reason. They suck. I know. But when these guys come out to do warmups with no bucket, the Cooperalls, this retro Jersey and missing teeth, I am going to feel straight out of the eighties and I'm going to punch somebody in the face. Oh, I, I see the thing is is that they're not even going to air the fucking warm-ups. If they wear that when if they wear that when I'm in Philly, I'm going to pee my pants. That'd be really funny if they did. <laughs> um yeah, no, I I I'm just I think like I said, I think it's just like low-hanging fruit more than anything. But, agreed agree to disagree. I um, got my I got my last one. Okay, who is and it? And it absolutely has to be the meth bear from Boston. 
yeah the burn one is pretty sick with the with the way they have like the jagged striping on the on the arms and the waist with like the bruins and super 90s font on the shoulders they're very nice that that's a wicked looking jersey miles you're really gonna hate me that i'm saying this go do your thing god damn the dallas stars jersey looks really cool <laughs> too similar to last season's in my oh no last season's was super white right yeah yeah it was the all white one okay my problem the, with the, the stars... all white one was so sick man dude it the, was... the gloves were unreal I love a whiteout uni. Like everybody talks about the blackouts in sports, but the whiteout unis oh, are white. so, so so nice. Cool. Yeah. What I'm begging for from the stars is to bring back like the bull, the the constellations bull logo. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So I'm until the stars do that, I cannot put them on my reverse retro list. Okay. Um. So I'm kind of caught up because so. I still I still really like the Minnesota Wild jersey just because I've I I've I think that what they do, like, I know it's a lot of samey same, but like, I think that looks so clean. It just, it just that, like, that golden green is such a cool combination together. Um, I think the, I, th- I honestly think that the Leafs one is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I fucking hate giving these guys props, but you know what? Give me the Jets. I know it's a lot of the same, but I I think that that logo and I think that the blue stripes in the arms look or the the blue stripes in the arm and on the bottom look really cool. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with you. Anytime the Jets throw out that WHA logo, it's unreal. Um, it's unreal. And again, they're probably going to wear that with white socks and like a blue pant shell, and that's going to be a really good look. So I I don't disagree with you. I just they were like an eleven or a twelve on yeah. my list. They're very very close, but not quite. So should we get the elephant? Uh, should we deal with the elephant in the room? Yeah, the Oilers kind of missed the mark, eh? Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't like the orange in the oil, in orange. the Oilers rock. Yeah, I think it looks kind of weird. I think that that's. A, 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 the, I think that that's an interesting choice. Um, to be honest, I think if you're going to do that, I would actually prefer instead of the navy doing royal blue instead. Is that maybe a little weird, but I think that that would look kind of cool. And then if you did royal blue, and then you did the oil drop, and maybe that would that would be the navy. I think that would be interesting. I think um, if they just kept the McFarlane what it was, yeah, and if, that's made, another thing too. Yeah, if they kept the McFarlane what it was and left the drop orange, I think those jerseys would be really really cool. You know what, man? You know what actually could have been interesting is. Because they don't have an orange jersey right now. If they did the orange, and I know that we just talked about too much orange, but if you were to like contrast the oil drop, because there's just something we like distracting about the oil about the orange oil drop on top of navy. I think if you would have went orange as the base of the jersey, and then if you would have went like either a royal blue or a navy in the oil drop, I think that could be kind of interesting. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 fine. Let's put it that way. It's fine. It's very mid, right? Yeah. It, and that's that's the unfortunate thing because they had such a good opportunity with that McFarlane to just even if they just would have put it out as was in the early two thousands, fans would have screamed. I would have bought yeah. one. Like that would have been an incredible choice. So it sucks to see it go the way that it did. But I mean, at the end of the day, we're getting a lot of really cool jerseys, and we're gonna 
for a lot of different franchises. It's it's going to be really cool to see them hit the ice. TBH, all these will be on sale at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get them, get them at a blowout price if you really yeah, love one. Exactly. But run, don't walk to get that Tampa Bay jersey. It's so cool. <laughs> so cool. Speaking of so cool, Nolan. Mm-hmm. So cool. The Canucks slide has been ice cold. They have lost six games in a row to start the season. Captain Bo Horvat was quoted as saying, it's been a lot of years in the rebuilding stage. At this point in the season, it just feels like it's never going to happen. I feel like we're never going to win again. My jersey got thrown on the ice last year. I'll never forget that for as long as I play. That quote, because like we like to have fun about the Canucks here. We like to make fun of the Canucks. But... um that really kind of hurts for for a guy like Bo Horvath. That makes me feel a lot of sad. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I um you know man, I just I think if you're a captain of a team, you can't be saying that. Like maybe a hot take, but you can't be doing that. If Connor McDavid came out and said shit like that, I'd be so disappointed in him. Oh, disappointed, and the media would have a freaking field day. It's just simply because of Vancouver, where they are, who they are, and Bo Horvat gets away with being able to say this because he's like a nice, personable guy. But if this was a star in the NHL, yeah. like a star captain, yeah, absolutely, his head's on his he's a heads on his yeah. head is on a pike. Dude, their decor is so bad, like and hurt, it's like so bad yeah because isn't quinn he's out for a few weeks or something yeah like he's on ir now too that team yeah. didn't have six quality nhl defensemen to begin like, with you, now they're yeah, you four can't be you can't be dressing tucker pullman tyler myers like and once this goes back i mean you and i talked about oliver ekman larson earlier this season like oel is like he's like a top four defenseman but he's like your number four he's not a top pairing guy He's no. like, he's, I don't want to call him bad, but he's just not good, if that makes sense. He's, he's not what he he's, was. He's like the Oilers reverse retro. He's perfectly fine, but <laughs> for $7 million, like that's not good. And right now he has to play as their number one D, man. Like that's depressing. Um, Yeah, man, like the Canucks are on a free fall and it's not even like they're outplaying opponents and like they're just getting really unlucky with goaltending or something like it's just they are just bad, and I honestly, who I feel bad for mostly is like he's made a hell of a comeback, and he's been their best player like day in day out is Elias Pettersson. Like you gotta feel bad for him because it's like he's come back from from all these injuries and is finally looking like a top line player again, and it's the year that the Canucks are terrible. Speaking of terrible. Some scummy fans came up to JT Miller. He was with his family at the pumpkin patch this past weekend, and they started beaking him for being like a minus whatever he is and making fun of him for how bad the team was doing. And that, that's just brutal shit to do. And in the notes here, this may be a little bit of bias, but I said BC is a province full of IPA drinking, Blundstone wearing, nature loving wannabe D bags. I actually feel bad that the NHL players have to deal with that culture and be surrounded by that bullshit. Yeah, I I agree. Um, yeah, it's just um, 
never go never go up to a player when they're with their family to talk just, shit just to them. don't talk shit to a player in person like seriously now i will say one thing is that did come from a reddit post so i don't know necessarily how accurate that story is but uh, but you I, honestly it wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest no. i it's the same with when um you remember when the oilers were really bad and uh connor mcdavid was out with his family and then he was getting heckled by those people um when he was like going out with his with his parents to dinner like that was that was really shitty. Um, yeah, man, like, don't don't say stuff to player Like, if unless you're going up to a player and being like, hey, man, like, I'm a big fan or, like, just or complimenting them, just leave them alone. Like, if you're going to, if you don't have anything nice to, it's, it's, it's like they teach you when you're a young child. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Unless you're talking on a podcast about Tyson Berry and Zach Cassian. Then say whatever the hell you want because it's past 10 p.m. Sorry, sorry, Tyson. Sorry, Zach. Come Mm. on the pod. (laughs) Defend yourself. Defend yourselves. Cowards. Carey Price came out this week saying that he has no plan on retiring. His absence this season stems from an LTIR. He is, but his his in his uh, no plan on retiring. That his absence this season uh, stems from an unsuccessful rehabbing for a knee surgery that he had back in 2021. He says that his goal is to be pain free day to day in his life before he gets back into hockey, and that to fix this issue would require uh, going under the knife once again. I mean, you hate to speculate on a player's future, and especially after they've come out and said that they don't want to retire, all this sort of stuff. But unfortunately for me, I think. Carey Price is probably not going to be playing in the NHL ever again. It doesn't sound like if he's pain-free in his day-to-day life that that this is something that we're going to see anytime soon, especially given he's like an 05 draft pick. He's he's had a long, great career, but I don't know myself if I see Carey Price getting back between the pipes for, for an NHL team. Definitely not. I, I don't... Um, yeah, I, I think that this has a lot of that... Um, Trying to think who was a player that recently did this where they're like, I'm not retiring. I'm just like trying to get healthy. And like, it's a, like Ryan Kessler in, in Anaheim had something yeah, similar. I think, he yeah, kept, I kept think trying to come was... back from those back or hip surgeries and he just yeah. never could. Yeah. It's I sad, think, man. Yeah, I think it's similar to like Shea Weber too. I think like they're they're kind of in a similar situation. And I think at the end of the day, they're like, yeah, Carey Price is not going to retire because he's going to get pay- continuously paid by the Montreal Canadiens because he just goes on LTIR and collects them checks, big fella. <laughs> Stack that shed a big dog. Speaking yeah. of the Habs, can we talk about this Wi-Fi kid? <laughs> How do you say his name? I'm not trying. I, I'm not going to try either. The, the only thing with the Wi-Fi nickname is it's like low-key xenophobic, but it's... Oh. Um, but any, but uh, you know what? If he's like, oh, my teammates called me Wi-Fi, then and he's like, that's a thing. Is like, okay, if that's if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But but yeah, like he's he's like come out of nowhere, man. And he's a rock star. Uh, the big thing, the big thing that everybody's been talking about with him is that like wasn't drafted to the OHL, like won a championship in the OHL, was a big player on that uh Hamilton Bulldogs team, wasn't drafted to the NHL and now he's doing it. So he's a great story of just like hard work and determination. But like people aren't talking about the fact that he's a fucking psychopath. Did you see the fight against Zach Cassian that he I had the other did. night? Yeah. Did you hear the story that came out today of, of what he said to him? It is some of the no, most I, rock no, star I, I, I shit. Didn't hear that. No. It's crazy. So for anybody who hasn't seen it, Wi-Fi beats the shit out of Zach Cassian. One quick thing. Did you know he is Canadian? I did know that. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I thought he was like Czechoslovakian or something. 
no, he speaks perfect English. Drippy is all hell. I was checking out his Instagram the other day. He's um, Albanian. Yeah, they played the outdoor game at uh, Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton last season, and he walked off the bus in like February with a sick hat, shades, short sleeve T-shirt. It had like a Winnie the Pooh graphic on it and a pair of shorts. Like he's unbelievable. Drip, but, and, Arbor Jacki is his name, by the way. Sorry, Arbor Jacki. Arbor Jack I. His Jack first I. name is Arbor. Arbor, yeah. Arbor, Arbor Jack, Jack I. I. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, it's Albanian, just like the Queen Dua herself. Oh, she's so beautiful. <laughs> okay, so this fight with Zach Cassian essentially came from off of a face-off. Wi-Fi looks over at Cassian and he smiles, and Cassian goes, "What are you smiling at?" And he said, "He just looks at him and says you." And then Cassian asked him if, or you, comma, want to go. And Cassian said, certainly. And then they scrapped and Wi-Fi kicked the shit out of him. Um, so um, I was listening to, uh, I don't want to give free ads, but uh, uh, Steve Dangle actually had a pretty good take on this. Where Your, your brother lost at sorry, birth? Sorry. Uh, no, don't say that. That's not nice. Um, <laughs> he actually had a pretty decent take on like this fight. Is like, Zach Cassian should not be fighting anymore, man. Like, he has taken far too many head injuries to this point. Like, how many times have we seen Zach Cassian just get absolutely knocked out and then he's into another situation where he's got, like, an orbital bone fracture or some shit? Like, I feel like that can't be healthy that you're still fighting this much into the late stages of your career as you are. Like, he's played a lot of hockey, man. A lot like, of hockey, a lot of hard minutes. And he yeah, got so, some hard knocks chalked yeah, at him from an Albanian so king. I definitely fear for Zach Cassian and just hope that he finds what he's looking for. Speaking of finding what you're looking for, Phil Kessel last night tied Keith Yandel's NHL record for the Ironman streak on October yeah, 24th at 988 consecutive games. Let's put this into a little bit of perspective because this is this is this floored me when I was reading this. The entire Golden Knights roster combined for their consecutive games played is half of what he is at. They are 442 consecutive games. All of the other active skaters dressed, right? Nuts. Mm-hmm. The next highest player on the team is uh, William Carlson. He's got 65 consecutive games played. Not very much. I feel if like it you... says more about the Golden Knights medical staff than it does about, the, about Phil Kessel. Uh, yes and no, but this is where it gets crazy. If you take Carlson to break Kessel's record, he would need to play every game from now until the 2033-2034 season, and Phil would have to miss a game somewhere in between there. Yeah, that's quite insane as they might say for a guy who sucks hot dogs subbed out water for blue powerade and coke to play 988 games in the nhl consecutively is flabbergasting dude he's just the best (laughs) he's the best and he's probably gonna hit the thousand game mark he's more than likely gonna be a record that you never see broken that is psychotic shit i feel like from amanda's brother I know that we, I know that we like, I know that Phil Kessel's like a big talking point for a lot of people in NHL circles and he's like kind of a meme and stuff, but man, he's become like a really underrated player. Like he's just he, in Phil Kessel's prime, man. He's so good. He was so, oh, so, so good. Elite goal scorer, like wicked shot for, for what An he was. Insane playmaker. Like he could pass the puck. Like there was no tomorrow. 
And can we talk about his very beginning of his career, his second or third season? He beat cancer. Yeah. Beat like, tes- testicular cancer and then a shoulder surgery and then proceed to play every game after. Like Phil's fucking doesn't make sense as a human being. Cause you, every other NHL player like Connor McDavid, what's your cheat meal? And he's like, Oh, I like some baked chicken wings. And you're like, okay, right on. You ask Phil Kessel what his cheat meal is. And it's probably something like <laughs> off of an Epic meal time. Like it probably doesn't even make bacon sense. Bacon strips and bacon strips and bacon strips. And, and a whole bottle of rye. Like Kessel's nuts. And, I have a lot of respect for him still, as a meme and as a player. I still love that 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 picture of when he was selling his house in Pittsburgh and there was this like, it was like single the, chair, <laughs> single chair in the theater. Yeah, my my agent said to set it up like that so it it looked like it was a bigger room. I don't I don't actually watch movies like that. Yeah, okay, Phil, you're like whatever. You're you're watching uh, Agent Cody Banks on the screen. <laughs> I'm just a really big fan of Frankie Muniz and Hillary Duff. <laughs> I think he's a great actor. Very underrated. <laughs> Speaking of underrated, Rasmus Dallin is doing some crazy shit. He's the first defenseman in NHL history to score in each of his team's first four games. That's awesome. We love to see a young... It's five. Five the now. Can, the streak continued to five. We love to see a young king succeed. I know you're a big Buffalo guy, big Rasmus fan. How does that make you feel? I mean, man, um, I was listening to another podcast on the way home here, and uh, they were talking about the vibes in Buffalo. Immaculate. They're <sighs> straight up immaculate right now, man. Like, this team is genuinely so fun to watch, and they're, I don't necessarily know if they're going to, con- if they're going to care, like, you have to carry a lot of energy, and they are really enjoying the fact that Craig Anderson is playing at the top of his game again, and he- Eric Comrie <laughs> is playing really well, like, Craig Anderson is leading the league in like goaltending statistical categories. It's, they are I, I made a, fun of them. They are on a major PDO bender right now, so that is something to keep in mind. But this team's having a lot of fun, and that's all that matters is that they're having fun, and it just seems like if, if there is one team that deserves to have, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, this is a team that deserves a franchise-altering player. And I understand that they've had their first sure first overall picks and high lottery picks. I get that. But they're a team that's not actively trying to tank. They're a team that's just having fun. They're yeah, having like, fun with a really good coach and with a really good leadership core. And I think that that is really, um, really captivating as, as a watcher of hockey. Oh, for sure, man. Like Rasmus came into the room a few games ago. There was a clip of it where he like came into the room and he was grittying like, yeah, you can tell that they're just a bunch of young guys all having fun playing hockey together. They kind of remind me of like when Anaheim went on that heater at the beginning of the season last yeah. year. Just a young team that is going to come crashing back to earth. But you like to see them having fun. You like to see them playing well. And I agree with you. They're, they're a fun hockey team to watch. So good for Buffalo and good to see him doing his thing. I actually, believe it or not, I actually think that Buffalo is a better team than what Anaheim was showing earlier on. I think that they've got, I think that they have a style that could actually carry on, um, if that makes sense. Like, I, I think that they, they actually have, ha- actually have something um, where they could kind of really milk this gravy train for a while. Gravy train. Gravy train. I don't know why I would milk a gravy train why like that doesn't really make sense good job nolan but um anyways can't can't milk an oat but they still have oat milk for sale but 
Sends. 21st in expected goals. <laughs> oh, Who? Sabres? Yeah. The Edmonton Oilers, number nine. Sorry, go on. Stat guy. Big stat guy. Um, The Sens have won four games in a row and are undefeated at home. Go off. Shout out Shane Pinto. He's a second-round pick in 2019. He has just been a buzzsaw this season. Only twice in the team's 10 games has he been held without a point. So I think in their past four games, he's got five points, four goals, one assist, and he's playing nasty with Brady Kachuk. Sens doing Sens stuff. Um Again, we'll see how long it lasts, but it's cool. And like Shane Pinto, guy that a lot of people didn't really have um, stacked up to be a difference maker on that team, is playing up and playing a big role. So good for him. That's just a cool story. And I'm excited. I get to watch them play in a couple of weeks in Philly. Very, very stoked for that. This is a a divisive one, Nolan. Connor Bedard, Regina Mm -hmm. Pat, first overall expected pick. He was selected as BioSteel's preliminary first overall projected pick. Like, there is no bias behind that whatsoever. He would be the Pats' second ever first overall pick, and he would be the first first overall pick from the WHL since... Do you know who it is? Uh, The first first overall pick in the or, WHL. Sorry, the last first overall pick in the WHL. I misspoke. Ooh. The last Ooh. first Ooh. overall pick from the WHL. Ooh, just... Give me two seconds. I want to think about this, okay? So while you think about that, Connor Bedard has 10 goals, 11 assists in 12 games played. He's won 50%, 56% of his face-offs. He's having a very good year for the for the Patricias. Oh, Nuge? It was Nuge in 2011 from the Red Deer Rebels, the last player taken first overall from the dub. Crazy to think that that's how long it's been since there's been a first overall pick from the Western Hockey League. But and Nuge still I looks the same. And Nuge has not aged a day. So, considering a certain somebody had a really good week, we should probably talk about the little bit of a storyline because there was a while where we were talking about Shane Wright as the presumptive first overall pick for the entire season. Um, I know that Connor Bedard is amazing. However... Have you been paying attention to what Adam Fantilli has been doing for the University of Michigan? Not whatsoever. 15 points in six games as a freshman. He Holy is, shit. Yes, he's a 2004 born, so he's a late birthday. But um, I th- but ho- uh, 200 hockey men will see six foot two, 187 pounds. Oof. So, he's a big boy and he can put up points. Big boy putting up a crazy amount of offense. Like he's going to have like a Jack Eichel like season. Um, Something to keep in mind. I do think that the like straight up generational talent of Connor Bedard, like I think that Bedard's shot is like once in every 20 years. You, you see that like there's just, it's just natural. There's just, it's like an automatic goal on a stick. So I think that there is still, I think he's going to be first overall, don't get me wrong, but like it's, it is a conversation that can be had that Adam Fantilli could maybe take his spot. I am saying this on the record for what may not be the first time, but I am um, a depreciating Bedard guy. Ooh, really? Yeah, I've been watching a few Pats games. A good friend of mine has season tickets, shout out Bond. So we've been going to a few games together and I haven't really loved what I've been seeing from Bedard. Like he's putting up stupid numbers, but he's got a he has an attitude 
and not a good attitude. He's a little, he's quite a baby back bitch in a lot of situations. And it seems like he really only starts to try when he gets the puck in the neutral zone uh, past the red line. That is when he gives a shit and he's looking to just put up numbers. He's not playing like a captain should be. And he loves to whine. He loves to sit back, take cheap shots, shitty penalties. He doesn't really play a game that's going to make the Pats like a contending team. He's very, very okay if they lose out in the second round. Interesting. I so, uh, I I will admit I have not watched very much uh, Connor Bedard uh, WHL stuff. I've obviously watched his like his like international play as well as just like seeing what scouts have said and stuff. So um, yeah, I, I've I've never. I've never taken that into, into uh, consideration. It could just be one of those things where he's just being a fucking nerd until he gets the until he gets the show. And but I mean, obviously, that's not still not a good habit to have. But you no. never know, right? I'm telling you, right. This is my prediction. He's going to go to the World Juniors. He's going to light it up. Everybody's going to stroke him off. He's going to put crazy numbers up when he gets back to Regina. Have just a a dumb dub season. I've said this before. I do not think he gets traded. I think the Pats are going to hold on to him. It makes sense for them to trade him, absolutely, and get picks and acquire all sorts of assets, yada, yada, yada. But I do not think that the Pats are going to trade him. That's a gut feeling that I have. Everybody's fighting me on it. Whatever. We'll see what happens. I'll trade him. I know a lot of people have said that to me. I'm saying it's a gut feeling. I don't think the Pats are going to move him, but he's going to light it up the world juniors, light it up for the rest of the dub season, go first overall. And he's going to be a perennial career one B player. He's never going to be a one A. Oh, so you're saying he's going to be like a, like a Mark Shifley type. Yeah. Yeah. Or he'll never be like, he's not going to be the franchise altering player that everybody thinks he's going to be. That's my that is my hot take, and I've gotten shit for it from a lot of people. But we will see, and only time will tell. So, so, so you are pro Adam Fantilli then? I am just, or 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 actually no, you are pro Matvey Michkov. I'm just a hater. You're no, you are no, you are pro Matvey Matvey Michkov. That is a dangerous thing to say, Nolan. I am pro uh, pro one thing. Uh. Pro, pro, pro rock stars. <laughs> pro rock star because there, there's a term that gets thrown around a lot these days, and that's rock star. But to to find someone who is truly rock star requires scouring the depths of the internet. And this week, I have done a lot more research than I have in in previous weeks. There was a number of options for this week's rock star. Very well could have been Ray Ruckshell. He's a 49 year old playing junior college defensive end at a at a science school in North Dakota. That's pretty sweet. That's pretty cool. Very well could have been Toast, a cat from the UK who had an entire book dedicated to her. Very cool. Very sweet. It also could have been the truck driver from Florida who flipped over a semi and lost an entire load of Coors Light doing God's worth, ridding the earth of that piss and allowing us to enjoy the superior light beer, no free ads, Bud Light. But Nolan, the rock star of the week has to go to somebody deserving, and I have found that candidate. It is Scott Salvador, the 34-year-old from New York who took home the title of America's next top mullet at this year's contest in Ithaca, New York. His mullet, as he calls, as he affectionately refers to it as the Lord's Drapes, has been growing for four and a half years and took home the grand prize of $2,500. 
So while I was doing the research on this, I found some of the names of the other oh finalists. God, I just looked up his fucking mullet. Nuts, hey? A four and a half year dedication <laughs> to his mullet. Shout out to Scott. Morgan um, Wallen, eat your heart out. <laughs> he actually kind of looks like Morgan Wallen in this picture. <laughs> everybody looks like Morgan Wallen when they have a mullet. That's everybody. True. So some of the other finalist mullets also had names. Um, some of the notable <laughs> ones here. The Wisconsin Waterfall. The Whistling Kitty Chaser, which we that's, need to cancel. We need to gross. cancel him because this man's name is Buddy and he's 40 years old and he calls his mullet the Whistling Kitty Chaser. That so, guy sucks. Uh, not only gross because he's 40 years old and his name's Buddy, but he's also problematic in the way that he believes that catcalling is still okay. He's He is not, he is not a rock star. Um, another name of a mullet is the Poppy Fuego, also from a man in his 40s. But this one might be the worst. Um, the Oregon Trail is the name of one of the other guy's mullets. So mullet culture, very sick, very much alive. Um, basically, all of these dudes in their pictures were wearing pit vipers. I could barely handle it. It was so on brand, so, so sick. But uh, yeah, shout out to Scott Salvador, this week's rock star. Last year's winner got 17,000 votes. So there's actually some traction here. And I know we're making fun of America's Next Top Mullet, but I thought this was very cool. All of the proceeds for America's Next Top Mullet go to a great cause. Um, it goes to the Soldier Suicide Foundation, which is a non-for-profit that helps veterans returning from combat handle issues and mental health problems as they adjust back to civilian life. So shout out to these guys supporting a really great cause and having really great hair. This week's rock star, Scott Salvador. Eat your heart out. Thank you. Thank you. By the way, I realized I forgot to actually add the applause in last week's episode, so I apologize. Hey, uh, no, no better week to start than than for our boy Scotty. Zip would have been a good one, but Scotty gets it for for doing good work and having great hair. <laughs> shout out, shout, shout, shout out, to, and and if if you if people want to if people want a great laugh, go look up Scott Salvador. And look it's at great. the rest. Look it's at the rest so of the good. mullets. You have it's the so key. Good. You have the keys to the I Rock. You're able to to pop that CD player. You've got a set player out. You've and... got to line them up. Line them up. Line them up. Line them up. Knock them back. Knock them back. <laughs> I just want to put I'm some gonna... shot glasses over my eyes. I'm gonna need some whiskey glasses for the games that they got coming up this week. Oh. Nolan, tomorrow. Wednesday, Saint, uh, the Oilers are playing in St. Louis on October 26th. They're playing the next night in Chicago, October 27th. And then they are in Calgary for a game against the Flames, the second of three Battle of Albertas of this season on Saturday, October 29th. Maybe a good night to enjoy some chilly ones. Nolan, how do you think the Oilers are going to do in this upcoming week? Let's say they climb back to above 500 and go 2-1 and one this week. Nice. You were the optimistic ostrich last week. I will gladly take that on Whoa. this week. I am thinking the Oilers are going to go 3-0. and Very big week on the road. They're playing hot. They're looking hot. And I think that they are going to do it and translate some dubbies out there. They have to harness the energy of last game. Like, there is... My God, if if this team can find that gear again, they are unstoppable. Absolutely I unstoppable. They got a redemption game right off the hop against the Blues after losing to them 2 nothing just a week ago, so it'll be good to see them get back on the ice and Go in and game. beat the shit out of Jordan Bennington. Not <laughs> not not physically, but mentally. 
mentally and on the score sheet because that's what we like to see. We like to see the Oilers winning games. Nolan, anything else you want to say? I think we got her. I think we got her all covered. Thank you for joining us for the Season 3, Episode 4 of the One for One Podcast, home of hot takes and even hotter listeners. It's been a thrill. We're stoked to have you. And as always, go Oilers, go. Go Oilers, go. Go Oilers, go.